Hi there, and thanks for joining us. On this week's episode of the podcast, we have decamped to Middleton because we have to talk about two of my favourite things, food and drink, which are featuring in the East Cork Food and Drink Festival taking place from the 1st to the 8th of September. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. So where I am right now is going to be one of the focal points for the East Cork Food and Drink Festival. It is Sage Restaurant in Middleton and I'm joined by the chef, the boss man here, Kevin Hearn. Kevin, how are you? Good. Yourself? I'm not too bad. You bring me to a lovely restaurant where the smell of food is is, is getting to me now, so I'm getting hungry even without having sampled anything you have here. What is Feast? Um, So Feast is a food and drinks festival. I suppose with a, a festival that's trying to give a sense of place here in East Cork, um, I suppose it's a, a platform for the food and drink businesses in the area to showcase what we have to offer in this area. And um, I suppose most importantly, the biggest thing is it's a, a festival for the community, for the people of East Cork, Cork, um, to enjoy you know, nature's larder and what we have. You have loads down here. I mean, the place is dripping with quality food, isn't it? Yeah, like we're very lucky in this part of Ireland. Um, we have so many food and drinks businesses that are quite different to each other and quite unique to each other. Um, so I suppose Feast is a, is a really good, um, as we said, a good platform for, for them to showcase it. So how long have you been operating here in Sage? When did the restaurant open? Uh, we opened here in 2008. So um, we're here now 12 years in February. Um, started quite small. It's it's kind of excelled and grown throughout the years. Um, we started off with just one one restaurant. Now we have two, so we have a casual and quite fine dining at the same time. Um, so yeah, it's been been a good twelve years. Yeah, and in that twelve years, uh, you've grown from being a little place off a side street uh, to, as you say, two venues here. Now you're still kind of young to have a business that big uh, that survived this long. I mean, do do you ever wake up and go, "Yes, we're still going." Um, I think most people, probably 95% of people in the food and drinks industry will tell you that it, it never gets any easier. Um, we, in fact, we were just having that conversation where you, you constantly have to be working, diversifying, um, working on your product, working on your, your bottom lines, you know, taking feedback from your customers, um, always looking towards the future and not resting on your laurels because it's, it's not an easy game that we're in. But I suppose it's the the labour of love that really keeps us going in this industry. People's tastes change a lot, don't they? I mean, I'd imagine the restaurant menu here has changed considerably in that 12 years because there's there's an evolution, not just in people's taste buds, but their expectations. If they're partnered with money on a night out, you have to give them what they want. Yeah, exactly. I suppose that's one of the things we learned throughout the years. That's that's why we have two restaurants now in one location. Um, We have the Green Room, which is open all day long. Um, it does breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's quite quite casual, easy going. It's one of those places, you know. The music is turned up a little bit louder. It's more of a, um, it's more of a fun element, kind of a dining experience. Whereas Sage, then itself, is um, it's based on the the twelve mile rule. You know, everything is reared, grown, and produced within twelve miles of the restaurant. And I suppose it's more destination dining. It's more, it's more modern, fine Irish dining. It's kind of unique to where it is. You you kind of glossed over the twelve mile rule there. What what? Um, so it's uh, something that's evolved for us from, from year to year. We, um, the 12 mile rule came in 2011 when um, we just kind of decided to give ourselves a defining line what we felt local really was. And 
I suppose we wanted to give the restaurant a real identity to what it is. So it's a, it's a modern Irish restaurant that sources products from within 12 miles and um, we cook things simply, but we're trying to be a little bit, um, uh, what's the word? Creative. Creative, yeah, we try and be creative in what we do and the menu changes could change from day to day, dishes change from week to week, from season to season. Um, but, but I mean, if you're doing the 12 mile rule, you're very seasonal in what you can actually put on the plate, aren't you? So, I mean, yeah, the, we're extremely there, seasonal. There, there's none of, your, none of your fancy stuff here from the south of France, everything has to be grown within shouting distance of Middleton. Yeah, but I suppose the, it's what's very important as well is that, you know, we don't... Um, we don't tell any lies in what we're doing. If something isn't from 12 miles, we let you know it's from not from 12 miles. Not everything is from 12 miles. No, that could be done. It is possible to do it, but we have found throughout the years that there is just some products that we do want to have on the menu. Um, they will be sourced as local as possible. They will be Irish. Um, obviously, the wine, things like that, some beers, salt, pepper, they don't come from within 12 miles. But So anything that can be reared, grown, or produced within 12 miles, we, we try our best to get it on the menu. So now that you have the restaurant established and you, you've everything, you, you've a clientele built up, what's next? I mean, you're, you're constantly thinking of the next thing. Uh, is there anything happening in the wider restaurant world that you're thinking, well, we could do that? Uh, ooh, you might have to rephrase that one. I suppose one thing we, like, I do myself, I suppose I do a, a good bit of consultancy for other businesses that want to, I suppose, um, upskill their chefs and you know, upskill their mentality into sourcing correctly and um, changing their menus, bringing freshness into their businesses. That's something we do um, here. Also, I suppose Feast is obviously... Feast takes us probably 40% of my time. Sage takes up 50% of my time and 10% is, is, is doing the other the other work items. But um, Not to mention the fact you have a young family as well, just to throw that into yeah, the mix. Yeah, we have a young family as well, which is all healthy, thanks be to God. But, um, so Feast then, why did you bring this together what was the rationale behind this because it was just as easy not to do it so why did you go ahead and so it? it was it was the middleton food and drinks festival for 15 years and it was um it was a great festival very well attended everybody um something that everybody really enjoyed the community really got together on but we we just kind of felt as a collective there's a few of us involved um Rady and my wife who was also involved and there's a few people around the town who were also involved in the festival and um we just kind of felt as a whole that it's it's much easier to market East Cork as an area as opposed to just Middleton on its own. And what we wanted to do was great, get the, the greater community into the area as well to kind of work together as one to showcase the area as one. Um, so what is your favorite thing on your menu right now? I mean, again, chefs taste their food constantly to make sure it makes the great. What's the one thing you're particularly proud of here? Because the smell is getting to be here. It really is getting to me, Kevin. What, what would I... What would I go for if I was picking something off the menu? Um, we always start with, we give everybody like an, an amuse-bouche or a, a little taster when they come in and um, everyone starts off, we do a fermented potato pancake. So basically we salt the potatoes. You, you, you get drunk on a potato pancake? Yeah, we, we, we basically, we bake the potatoes in their skins and then, so it's nice and dry and then we add, we mash it, we add 2% salt and we put it somewhere for about 30 degrees for about three or four weeks. What helps then is that it ferments, so it gets a nice kind of a bitter flavour to it. And then what we do is we make a pancake out of the potato, and then we do different fillings in the potato then. Pancakes. Okay. So everybody gets them when they come in. So it's, like a fancy, it's like a fancy kebab, basically. It's a fancy kebab. Yeah. Made of spuds. Made of spuds, yeah. Good East Cork yeah. spuds. Good East Cork spuds. <laughs> Good 12 months well, spuds. We, look, uh, we wish you the very best of luck with Feast. Uh, we've got two other really exciting guests to speak to here as well. Yeah. But for now, Kevin O'Hearn of Sage in Middleton, thank you very much thank for joining much. us on Red Business. Thank you very much. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. Next up, we're going to talk about 
drink. It's not just food that's going to feature in Feast. They're also going to look at the very best locally produced alcohol, of which there is a fine quantity down in the East Cork area. Justin Green is of Bertha's Revenge Gin and Ballyvalan House. Justin, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. First question, who or what is Bertha? And why is she so angry that she wants to wreak her revenge? Well, Bertha is the reigning world's oldest cow. Well, she's now gone to God, uh, sadly. She, she passed away in 1993 at the remarkable age of 48. And uh, she is the world's oldest cow, and it's been certified by the Guinness Book of Records. And, um, and how, she, old, how old is the cow? She was 48. Four, that's a good age. It's an incredible age for a bovine. And she also had an eye-bulging 38 calves, which is where the revenge comes in. So if you'd given birth 38 times, you'd be an angry cow and be seeking revenge on, 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 on everyone and everything. Well, she has been immortalised now in gin form. So t- tell us how you got into the area of gin production. Well, we have a, um, a country house very near here from Middleton called Ballyvalan House. It's a historic house, and we operated as a B&B, very authentic. And, um, and our business is great in the summer, but winter is always tricky. And, uh, you know, it's very seasonal. And in rural Ireland, you know, you haven't got those big population centres close by. So we're always looking for opportunities, and we were watching the rise and rise of premium gin across the pond, you know, over the last sort of 10, 15 years. And um, we thought we'd have a look at it. And uh, my business partner, Anthony, um, who's a, a school friend mine um, and I went over to London and we just had an epiphany we couldn't believe it and and, uh, we met lots of interesting distillers and we did a tour of all the cocktail bars and interviewed you know uh, cocktail barmen and and and, uh, people in the industry and and we decided we'd have a crack at it. Gin was uh, it was almost a a spent force that that people didn't drink gin there was a a myth that it just used make everybody miserable and then somebody invented a big glass as a result gin became very popular again have you benefited from that resurgence in popularity well that's part of the reason we we decided to distill gin and and not not whiskey or vodka or any or rum for example and yeah there has been a a global rise in in gins across the the gin sector has been very very um uh huge lately and um so that's something we we wanted to to felt we could get involved with and reflect very well on our our business at the house as well in terms of marketing and it's a the house is very high-end luxury uh, product and so is the gin a premium product and it just ties in very nicely with each other you have to distill gin so it's not something that happens overnight you don't go to bed and wake up with a bath full of gin so how, how did you set about becoming an expert gin distiller well we wouldn't call ourselves experts yet we're still learning and it has been a steep learning curve but uh, we've had a lot of help from a lot of good people along the way um, namely Peter Mulryan who owns the Blackwater Distillery he's a neighbour of ours and um, we were trying to enrol in a distilling school but they just didn't exist at the time when we started out uh, when we formed our business in 2015 and the only option was to go to the UK or the US and that just wasn't feasible and um, so Peter took us under his wing and um, I hope we weren't too much of a pain in the backside but he, he didn't tell us to, to get lost and he, he was very good to us and gave us the basic building blocks and sent us away and we spent nine months developing our recipe and then you know we've, we've um, uh, built, it, built it on from there and every single batch we, ta- we, we make we taste and tweak and you know for us the most important thing is the flavour you know and uh, people won't come back for more if it doesn't taste good Well this is true and again there's enough bog standard stuff out there that is forgettable and, and I'm just looking at the, the samples and front of me here you did that you respected the number one rule of red business which is bring a sample so you have uh, irish milk gin and slow gin now i understand what slow berries are and i understand what milk is but the connection to gin is beyond me so first of all the irish milk gin is it is there a little bit of banya thrown in there or, or, or how do you do it well it's actually uh, our base alcohol is derived from milk it's whey 
alcohol. Uh, 90% of gin distilled in Ireland and the UK would use a grain-neutral spirit, which is mainly um, wheat, sometimes barley, and uh, we actually couldn't get any Irish grain spirit. It's just not available commercially. It's all used in the whiskey industry, and they would all, and the most distillers would use a, a grain spirit imported from France or Eastern Europe. It's very good quality, but because so many ingredients in gin are imported anyway, such as, you know, juniper and, and all the spices and citrus, um, we wanted to try and incorporate as many locally uh, sourced ingredients as possible. And then we were recommended the whey alcohol by a distiller in London, and it's produced very near the, where we live, just outside Cork City, and it's, and it's super quality, and it's Irish, and it's produced by... A, you know, milk is, is sold. So, by on, so in other words, we were talking with Kevin about the 12-mile rule. Um, it looks like that Bertha's Revenge respects the 12-mile rule then, does it? Well, where possible. As I said, there's not much uh, lemon trees or orange trees growing around, around yeah. my neighbourhood, so we have to import you know, citrus from Spain and North Africa, but the, the way is local. We pick a little uh, peppery um, seed called Alexander's, and uh, at this time of year, they're all ripe, so we're out two, three times a week picking Alexander's. We have to pick a whole year's supply, and that, that's an, an ingredient. And I presume you do the same for slowberries, which are just about to come into season as well. So are, are you poised and ready to go get as many slows as you can for your next batch of slow gin? Oh, for sure. But the quantities we're producing, we also have to buy some in. You know, we're not able to pick enough wild berries uh, to, to, for, for the quantity we are producing so there is an element of wild irish slows in there but there are also some imported slows in the funny it. thing is that gin for me is always a clear liquid whereas the slow gin appears to have a, a bit of a color to it i mean is, is that rare well the slow is a wild plum so it's got a very deep red color and we um, steep the the berries in our gin for up to six months and um and then we add sugar at the end so it's an infusion rather than a, a distillation and it's um the extra sugar at the end gives it that added sweetness and then the the bertha botanicals we use a lot of indian curry spices like cardamom, cumin, cinnamon and, and cloves and argin and that all comes through the, the slows beautifully. I'm fascinated that you did you didn't know a single thing about gin up to a couple of years ago, well, apart from the odd about one. drinking gin. Yeah, so but exactly. Yeah, but drink, not, not, but not distilling it. Yes, drinking yeah. it and distilling it are very different. It, it never ceases to amaze me how business people can evolve yeah. <laughs> as their business evolves. And you were, you're a prime example of that. There you had fantastic high-end venue for weddings. Obviously, the, the people weren't staying there as much as they would have when the weddings weren't on, so you needed to reinvent yourself. And now you're a gin expert. Are you amazed at your own ability to learn? Absolutely. And, you know, we, we put a lot of hard work into it. And, you know, we did a lot of research, a lot of reading up, talking to people. And, um, you know, with, as I said, every batch we, we, we make, we taste and tweak and, and um, constantly uh, trying to improve. And we're bringing in a consultant in shortly just to, to look at our processes and help us bring it on to, to a new stage and develop a few new lines. And so it, it's, it's constantly um, a learning, learning process. Where's the best place this is available that you're aware of? Well, apart from Balavalan House, I would have to say uh, Sage Restaurant in Middleton, where we are sitting now. They've been very good to us, and um, you know, and I love their ethos of supporting local local producers, and um, we very much employ that philosophy at Balavalan House as well. There's there's lots of great places to have have um, enjoy Bertha, but um, at home, I think is probably um, as good a place as any with someone you love. And um, we have we recommend a B and T, which is with a good quality tonic, slice of orange peel. And, um, and and sip it enthusiastically. Well, I mean, I've never I've never drank anything without sipping it enthusiastically. Uh, look, it's a fantastic product. How's the hotel business? I mean, I know it's not really a hotel; it's a high-end house, a country house. Is that business still doing well? Because people 
are spending now again you know there's obviously concerns about Brexit and so on but is that business doing as well as you'd want it to? We had a very slow start to the season and that was pretty typical of the hotel sector in Ireland you know May, June were very quiet and even places like Killarney um, were surprised how, how quiet it was but July and August have kicked off and, and been very very busy which we are, are, are pleased to say um, it's going to be very busy now until the uh, middle of September and then when kids start heading back to school it, it gets very quiet again so we're really working off a, a, a three four month year busy season the winter months weekends only you know we don't even open during the week unless there's a, a group coming in and we're always always happy to to open when we can and that as, as you said earlier is one of the reasons we we decided to to look at the gin project because we're really focused on export now and um and we have revenue coming in 12 months of the year we're not reliant on a small domestic irish market or tourism seasonality Okay, well, diversify or die, as they say, and you diversified in a way that you get to drink gin every day. So that, that is something that most people can relate to. Justin Green of Bertha's Revenge Gin and Ballyvalan House. Very best of luck for both of, of your endeavours. And thank you for joining us on Red Business. My pleasure. Thank you. The only show in town for cork business, Red Business. So we need a little bit of accompaniment to go along with the gin. So the recommendation was orange, but I'm sure if we were very sophisticated, we could find a nice cheese to go with it as well. So my next guest timing is impeccable. From Ballinrostig Organic Cheese, Michelle Cashman, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm very well, thank you for joining us. Um, so what do you make? I mean, or, uh, organic cheese sounds very nice, but it has to be special. So what's special about yeah, your cheese? Yeah, so it's, uh, it is an organic cheese, which is special, but also we make a, a gouda, which is made from Jersey, Jersey cow milk. So very, very creamy gouda. We source our milk from a local organic farmer, uh, Dan and Anna Hearn in Dungourney. So again, all very locally sourced. And uh, so we make basically gouda style, style cheese we make some herb versions a smoked version and then we have a matured version now as well that's coming online that's really good a friend of mine makes cheese for a living yes it is a horrifically messy business I, i've never encountered anything that is labor intensive yeah uh, how did you end up making organic cheese yes uh, so my husband stephen is uh, originally from holland so he grew up you know watching his grandmother making cheese and you know in a very deep you know culture of cheese making there and he made uh, cheese there and then when he came here to Ireland, which is over 20 years ago, he did various other jobs. But his passion was always cheese making. So three years ago, he started it as a hobby. And, you know, I knew once he started, he'd be, we'd be doing it professionally. Cause he's, Hobbies are very dangerous yes, things. Yeah. I mean, what was he doing prior to being a cheese maker? Uh, he was a tree surgeon and he was a nurse for many years as so well. They are very different <laughs> yes. to cheese makers. Um, <laughs> what did you do before you got involved in this business? I was in the corporate world. I was a human resource manager for 20 plus years now, again well. not conducive to cheese making so <laughs> no. therefore I mean, what possessed you was what did you have too much gin one evening and you decided to make cheese absolutely too many wine conversations but um no he, i suppose he always had a passion around it and actually all he ever did what he does relate because he's very technically minded and anything he does he goes deeply technical in it so you know i knew i suppose i could always i always had confidence in his ability to to produce the product but yes, as you say, it's hugely labour intensive. It's a very challenging business. And the food business generally, you know, the local organic and the local sourced food business is a challenging one, you know. We do a lot of dairy cheese in this country yes. um, with massive factories. It's a major export. But you, you, yours is a more specific product. So who is the ideal end user for you? Is it the cheese connoisseur, if you will? 
Uh, not really. I mean, we sell primarily on farmers markets and also to restaurants like uh, Sage and that kind of thing. But so our ideal end user, I suppose, is somebody who appreciates the artisan nature of our, our product, you know, and who will therefore obviously pay the price for it, but also, you know, just to appreciate it. But we have customers, we have three-year-old kids who pull their parents over to buy it, you know, they love the creaminess of it. So we love that as well, you know, the whole variety of people who come to the farmers market. But I suppose, I guess, essentially, those people are self-selecting as well. They want a certain type of product as well. We, we are a little bit conditioned. You know, cheddar cheese yeah. was the only cheese available for mm. a long time. And, and other so-called fancier cheeses mm. weren't necessarily for the Irish palate. But we're kind of getting over that, aren't we? Which is good timing for you. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, generally, I mean, of course, we have all sorts of nationalities who buy our cheese. But, I mean, Irish people are very open you know, in terms of food, and they will try things, and you can, ex- you know, you can explain things and describe things to people, and once they taste the gouda, they realise it's kind of a longer tasting cheese, we'll say, than the cheddar, so, um, you know, they enjoy it, and it, it isn't unrelated anyway, you know, it's not a really, you know, exotic cheese or anything, but, so it's, you know, it's very usable for kids in sandwiches as well as for people at dinner parties, you now, know. you've literally just come from a farmer's market yes. in the last while, so this is a hands-on business, there, there is literally no rest for the wicked, is there? You're constantly, if not making cheese, cheese selling cheese uh, and marketing your cheese is it how you expected your life to be at this point um uh, that's a good question (laughs) um so it is it's literally seven days a week we have to turn the cheese for example every day you know Um, how do you do that is there is there a brush handle or how does it work no we literally there are 5k cheeses and we pick it up off the shelf turn it over and clean it you're actually physically lifting the cheese okay so it's it's a very labour-intensive cheese make cheese. It's a very labour-intensive uh, work. Um, we're both, you know, on the right side. Well, I'm on the right side of fifty. We're, we're around the fifty now. So it is so very. That's a fe- damning indictment of yeah. your husband, who's clearly over fifty. <laughs> there. Yeah, just mentioning but, that in passing. Yeah, but it is. It's a it's a very very physical and challenging business. Yeah, but. Um, but it's fun. I mean, you're meeting people. You're doing. I suppose a lot of it is what we're doing. We do stuff that we believe in around values and local, and we use as little plastic, etc., as possible. And you know, so we. I suppose that's why we were attracted to it in the first place. And, and that's the funny thing because we are looking at all of the events that are taking place in Feast. We were speaking with Justin. We were speaking with Kevin. That idea that this is sustainable. This is proud to be local mm. it's a very big thing amongst the food producers here mm. in East Cork isn't mm. it it really is yeah yeah and I mean the integrity of the food producers is incredible you know and uh, we are a community even though we all ha- you know have our own businesses um, and I suppose Feast gives us that opportunity as well to meet one another and to meet you know to meet the chefs and the restaurateurs um, and also just the the actual com- end consumer who care about that kind of thing you know um, so you know, you always meet even a new a new customer or um, you know a new chef who hasn't heard about us or that kind of thing. So that's the opportunity as well. You know, I, I asked the same question of Justin. Where is the best place you've seen your cheese being served? And you walked in and you saw it written on a menu or you saw it available somewhere. Well, uh, J- Justin is now just stocking our cheese, actually, so we're delighted with that. Yeah, we're delighted. In Ballyfilan. In Ballyfilan, delighted to be associated with that. Uh, here in Sage, they've all, from the very start, have been a very uh, very big supporter of ours. So, yeah, it's, it's again, I, I suppose it really is a high-quality restaurant that will take our cheese, you know, not to sound uh, snobby, but that is true, you know. And, and when I say that, I mean, the, you know, a, a restaurant of integrity around local and around the product and around what they... They believe in and no more than justin 
taste the gin every day to make sure the standards are sufficiently high. Do you have to taste the cheese every day? We do, but that's not an it. No, we don't. But we do obviously have certain times that we do need to taste the cheese. For example, when we were maturing the Jersey milk cheese, which is literally only a year old now, um, we were tasting it, you know, ver you know, after six months, eight months. And how to long see. does it have to mature for before it's the it's ready? Well, the, the the matured cheese that we're using now is is a twelve month old cheese. Yes, so and that was by taste because we hadn't used Jersey milk up until we turned organic, and it it acts very differently, you know, because um, it's very high in fat and it's just a different cheese. Um, and so we did have to taste it quite often to find it, to, to, to realise when it, right, that's the mature taste we were looking for, you know. Okay, well, they say there's a few careers in all of us. And again, no more than our last guest, you're living proof of that. Uh, Michelle Cashman from Ballinrostig uh, Organic Cheese, thank you so much for joining us. Feast is taking place from Sunday the 1st of September until the 8th. You can find a full list of all the events at feastcork.ie. My thanks to all of my guests and to Sage here in Middleton for playing host to us this afternoon. As I said, feastcork.ie, get all the details there. All episodes of Red Business are on redextra.ie. Neve Hennessy produced, and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.